0: Hi, Zoran. Welcome back.
1: Hi, hi Adam. Good to be back. and Nice to see you
0: again. Yeah, and today we should be a little bit more technical. So the last time we had a lot of chat, you know, what was your first computer and what was your first mouse? Now it's over. Yes. I, I don't care about your computers anymore. Just about, uh, you know, <laughs> machine learning and deep nets.
1: Yes, we, we are going to talk about personal AIs. That's why I saw that the company is building personal robots or... So. Like interesting to see that uh, a while ago there was a why would anybody need their personal computer? But now yeah, we are talking about personal robots, and probably something like that will uh, happen. Uh, Armstrong, yeah. Uh, however, uh, the, the the main uh, topic that uh, we're going to chat about today is the project that I'm working on uh, at the moment. We work for for a few years actually. Uh, it's called Deep Nets. Mm -hmm. and uh, it it is a deep learning development platform that's uh, targeting Java developers. So uh, historically looking, uh, deep learning and machine learning uh, was mainly uh, developed uh, on Python platform and C++, of course. And uh, most of the tools and most of the the innovations uh, comes from that space. Uh, There is, of course, a very good reason for that because these new things that require uh, high computing power using GPUs and uh, uh, first uh, frameworks that uh, allow that enabled researchers to quickly run experiments uh, uh, came from that technology stack. Uh, there were some, uh, there still are uh, several uh, other uh, uh, Java-based solutions, but uh, to my personal feel was that... Uh, it's not, uh, uh, they do not have Java uh, flavor. so They are not uh, uh, what Java developers would expect uh, in a way uh, like for development experience, for being user-friendly, for having tools that will help them uh, through the process. And uh, that, that was mainly the inspiration and motivation for deep nets. And uh, also uh the, the uh, last time we talked about the Neuro project it was uh, like um, my small uh, student project that evolved into open source project uh that became quite popular uh, where people recognized that, that kind of uh, java api style and uh, ease of use and uh, there is a, a community that that uh, um benefits and favors that kind of uh, uh libraries
0: yeah so put some together, that's how the
1: tests were born.
0: Yeah, we, we are yeah. talking now about deep nets. So this is deep nets with two ts.com. And yes, uh, yes. I actually can concur because um, I look at the code and uh, I was surprised. So what I expected, you know, lots of C like code which looks like crap, <laughs> I would say lots of underscores. <laughs> but but it is not exactly. the case not the co- not not the case at all. And uh what it was really su- Pleasant, pleasantly surprised is it looks it look, looks like very modern java i would say not even you know like uh, not what you are yeah, accustomed to in jdk 13 more like you know java 11 or java 17 to give you an example yeah. for instance if you would like to read a csv right so uh, you you mm-hmm. have one class called dataset and you remember the method yes. name? Now now you are on the spot what's the ne- what's the method name read, read CSV.
1: Yeah, read CSV. Very,
0: very good so you are the right man man here so uh, <laughs> read CSV then the next line is data set train test split and then we have max yes. normalizer and we have feed forward network and back propagation trainer but um, <laughs> it is builder pattern. So the nice story yeah. is you say forward uh, network builder at input layer at fully connected layer at output layer, and uh, and so yeah. forth. So I would say the entire example is, I mean this is differently formatted, but it's more like seven lines of code, and um, yeah. with two lines of uh, logging. This is the first example from your web page, and um, mm-hmm. and um, I like it. So uh I, I expected oh, some, yeah, I expected something else. Uh, I, I thought, you know, uh what what you did is more like you know the mad scientist approach to that. But yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yes. No, but this is <laughs> but this is usable. And what I also appreciate, uh, you have only two dependencies. So this is you know, you have the um deepnet's core pro and then deepnet's license, which uh is uh maybe business needs for the license. Yes. But um, I like single dependency frameworks. This is what I like. Yeah. If you if yes. you would say I ah. would have to install you know super pom with uh, bomb and and fifty dependencies, I'm immediately lose yeah. the interest a little mm-hmm.
1: bit. Exactly, exactly. And there are a few more dependencies uh, we are losing uh, using uh, log4j for logging,
0: and uh, also well, I should hey, mention Hey, why 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 not Java util logging?
1: well uh, at some point I, I don't remember exact reason why but uh, I, I think i needed uh, like some uh, features from java from apache log4j okay. and uh, yeah if, at first uh, what I, did, I used this self um, uh, self for j but then uh, yeah it was too, too too heavy and i didn't need most of the things i don't remember okay. why but uh, yeah, uh, it, it, I think at first it, I used Java logging, mm-hmm. but at some point uh, I needed, I said, need, I, say, I tell you, yeah, I need this. I don't want to reimplement this on my uh, own. I'm going to use the, some existing library. So, so, so that, that's the reason. Okay. Uh, and uh, I really appreciate what you said. And uh, my original in- intention uh, when designing deep nets was to make uh, uh, API that's uh, readable, intuitive, and Java developer friendly. So even if you're not uh, li- like an expert and know all the uh, technical details and mathematics behind it, uh, machine learning, that you you would be able to effectively use it to to solve the problem that uh, you're working on. So uh, I really am very happy to hear these uh, comments from you because it's kind of a proof of concept that... Uh, uh, we have achieved
0: that uh, that goal. Yeah, uh, I look at the code, so I have to admit my first my 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 first reaction was, uh, "Give me the terminal. I would like to try it out." You know, this is worse, because oh, I saw because because I saw perfect. one one dependency, the builder like style, yep. and then the Duke yeah. video. What I also looked, uh, which was also nicely done. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and, yeah, and I think. We can we could actually take the video because this is on your page, so everyone can look at this. It's this like three minutes. Yes, and uh, yes. and 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 talk about what happens behind the scenes because it's really nice. It seems like um, this is um, you are using uh, like a workbench, uh, uh, looks like NetBeans based mm-hmm. workbench to set up the project. Yes. But but what I also noticed, this is just my impression, the workbench is optional because what it does it creates configuration files which can be uh, used outside which is also important to me you know i am absolutely not interested in yeah. some you know uh, ide dependencies even i like you no know, netbeans a lot um, but i'm not interested to be depending on netbeans so this is why i like it of, but, course, of yeah. course of course of yeah. course of course and of course. Uh, what you did it seems like you are reading dukes and uh, duke pictures uh, different duke pictures yes, yes. And you yeah. are uh, classifying them, but uh, the interesting part is um, you see what happens behind the scenes. So this is kind of visual debugger, what I understand. So you see, you exactly. know, uh, what exactly. what the AI does. And I would say, yes, this is great because you know the the debugging of AI for me it was always a huge problem because you do something, you have no idea what happens, and then you get the solution. But no one knows whether the solution is right. So with that, yes. I see more like you know, uh, okay, um, you know, the Duke looks like this for the AI, and this is this layer and this layer. Maybe we should start with the very first step. What I assume what happens is you are reading the pictures byte wise. Uh, what usually happens you are scanning the pictures, you know, in a, in a byte array, right? This is the first step.
1: Uh, well, uh, the first first step is, of course, to, to prepare the, the image set that you want to train a model for. Mm-hmm. So uh, it exists ab- about uh, 50 images of uh, Duke mm-hmm. in different po- po- positions with different variations. And like uh, 50 images that do not contain Duke. Some of them are, are random images. Some of them are just uh, random colors in order to avoid... You know, detection of a specific. If you find the image with a little bit of a black and a white and mm-hmm. red, then it can be recognized as a duke. Like a, that would be false recognition. So you just draw a little bit of images uh, that do not represent
0: the duke. how how, how many text, how, how many dukes do you need to to have something reasonable?
1: Well, it it depends how much uh, how much uh, generality you want to achieve. How much do you want to generalize, and how much do you want to be accurate with uh, different variations of Duke. Uh, I mean, this is a obviously a Hello World example, so like 100 images uh, is more than enough. <clears throat> However, it is possible to uh, use options from development tool and generate additional images using technique called data augmentation, which is basically generating different variations of the given images uh, with different uh, uh, levels of gray, lightning, rotation and uh, so on.
0: But this is but uh, basically, y- you could generate new variations of duke or or new uh, variations of uh, how to call it of the color settings and you know this the uh, the uh, the appearance of the duke, right?
1: Yes, yes. Yes, you can you uh, I don't have many options for that, but, but some basic with a different col- with different uh, coloring mm-hmm. and uh Uh, different uh, brightness, for example, and then flipping image, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, from flip flip horizontally, flip vertically, uh, and uh, you can specify how many of these variations you want to generate, and it will be uh, automatically generated for you. But, uh, as as I said, it it depends how much uh, do you want to get uh, uh, tolerance to different variations. Mm -hmm. It is desirable to get some, but Usually you don't need uh, like a, too,
0: too much of that. So, so to my for my understanding let's say I only have you know 5 images but to train the model I need more. So then I would use a separate tool yes, read the yes. 5 images and generate you know some images with errors or the blurs or whatever to to train the model better right? This is yeah, Okay. Yes, yes. Yes, yes. yes. And how this technique is called again? Uh, data augmentation. Data augmentation. Image augmentation. Okay. And, uh, and the all the Duke images are of the same size or uh, have to be? or?
1: Well, uh, they are are scaled, rescaled to the same size. Originally, they are not of the same size, but when you fit the model, mm-hmm. uh, they all have to fit the model input size. Yeah. So they are all rescaled to the same size. Because, are, because uh, the
0: model uh, needs a two-dimensional array, right? This is what you yes. have. So this yes. is like by uh, bi- array by the array yeah sorry
1: it is actually a 3 dimensional array Oh, okay. because uh, you have 2 dimensions but you have a red green and blue channels so you have one channel for uh, one dimension for each uh, color channel
0: ah so you have uh so there is like 2 dimensional array for one color so you have three um, yes three yes. layers on top of each other right so this is like... Yes, yes. Okay, yes, nice. Yes. So they didn't do that. I, I thought, you know, if you do AI on pictures, you are always reading, but you're right. The pixels have... Yeah, there is... So you're separating the colors. Okay, interesting. Um, so yes, that, uh, that, then the, the, this, this is... is mm-hmm, sorry?
1: So no Okay. And, and all, all these details are handled under the hood. There is a cast called example image, you know, mm-hmm. and there is the image set. So all these details is something that uh, you as end user don't have to worry about. Uh, It has already been solved for you, you know, so just we are talking to explain how it works. But when you do, uh, the the whole point is when you start working with images, you work with image files and you you don't care how image stores pixels and about the internal details uh, of image and how do you you know, feed the, the these pixels to to the network. You mm-hmm. you just get a, a nice nice looking Java object with a clear API and uh, uh, readable methods, and you just feed it.
0: So. Yeah, exactly. And the API is really clean. So kudos again to you. So to all listeners, oh, they have to great. to take a look at that because because it. This is what I like. You know, I I think that developer experience and usability is key. This is uh yes. yeah we don't have time yeah, you know, to uh, to to play with thousands of getters and setters yeah. i would say
1: uh, i hear many tweet quotes coming from this
0: session <laughs> by me from you um ho- yeah, hopefully yeah, I hopefully so uh i uh, uh, yeah. uh, uh, which image formats are you uh, are you supporting can it be jpeg png or gif Yes, it can
1: be anything uh, anything that is uh, Uh, currently supported uh, by the uh, java image io you know okay Mm we did buffered image Mm -hmm. so there is there are challenges there also and that's something that uh, we are currently working on uh and one of the problem is to solve the uh, java imaging on java platform there are many different libraries and uh, formats uh, not just uh, for uh, in files but when you load these images in memory and for example, the, there is a problem with Android because the, it is using a bitmap. So one of the reasons why we started the uh, Visual Recognition API uh, JSR, uh, like a Java standard, is to enable working with different types of images and different uh, formats, uh, different classes for images, and to make it irrelevant, you know, which, uh, uh, which uh, on which platform and which uh, e- imaging class library uh, somebody is using but they can use uh, this uh, uh, machine learning and deep learning uh, in Java with any type of images yeah because that's something that, that that's really you know uh, requires you to dig deeper and f- figure out what, what what works with what and there are there like uh, different formats for microscope images different formats so astronomy images and different t- type of image libraries for everything so we tried to create like a Abstraction and API that will enable for using different, even different machine learning libraries with different types of imaging formats, and uh, you know you can use it the same way, and maybe replace uh, the machine learning engine, use different imaging library on different platforms, and, and so on.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, what I'm and, thinking and about way, this is why I'm asking. What I will try to do is just uh, write a simple program with deep nets, and uh, what I would like to recognize uh, is it a person. Is it duke or is it the you know the Lego, Lego creature? This should be easy, right? Yeah. So it will yes. uh, they yes, should, yes. because they are very different, you know. But this would be because you have different dukes is harder, but uh, just this is interesting. I mean, so, because they are yes, so, yes. so so different between uh, no person, a yellow Lego creature, and duke. There's, there's so much difference, so you don't need. I, I hope too many pictures, and and then it should work yeah. pretty well, right?
1: Yes, yes. Uh, ideally, you have like, start with 10 pictures of each. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, it's a multi-class classification problem mm-hmm. because you have several types of objects. Duke is a binary classification because you have like a, only one object. It's a, it's a Duke or not a Duke. Mm-hmm. But when you have a several, um, categories of objects, it's a multi-class classification. And there are examples that that's a one thing. Uh, th- there are examples uh, that will he- help you get started immediately so you can just a little bit uh, look at the code understand what's going on and modify the example to to work for, for you and uh, even if you use tool uh, which is by the way free uh, free to download and use for, for development purposes it is even easier and gives you more options and uh, one of the main problems it solves is that uh, allows you to quickly experiment with different settings and guides you, especially if you, it is something that you're doing for the first time. Uh, you don't understand maybe all the settings and how how to use them, and it, it provides you with a reasonable default settings which, which uh, work
0: in most cases. Yeah, this is what I saw in your workbench. So it was like a layer, layer yes. one algorithm, yes. and 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 got the result. And um, yeah, which
1: it, in- it, it is a very high level of wizard because it asks you what do you want to do, do you want to recognize images or want you want to uh, predict value and or you want to work with data and classify data then in the next step it asks you how uh, do you have uh, like uh, two types of images or more types of images that it requires like a, and replaces like a very low level technical machine learning terms with uh, something that a general user understands, he knows what you want to achieve and the uh, Guides you step by step in the process, and and uh, like uh, one of the the current development uh, targets is to be like a an expert assistant. Uh, part of it already exists there that will really uh, understand what are you trying to do and uh, provide uh, like a better like initial settings uh, and guidance to uh, the process. So even okay. if you're not an expert in a- ML, you will be able to to, to create something that works
0: like. So now uh, I, I would like to step through the entire process. This is my goal for today, as I saw you know, your, the code. So the first thing is yeah. you, you read the Dukes into, some, into, into two three-dimensional array. But, you know, the first two dimensions is X and Y. And then are the three dimensions are the R, G, and B. So read green and blue. So what I'm understanding is. And this is now enough, yes. you know, for your A.I., to to or to train the model, this is enough to train the model yeah. so you need uh, some kind of normalization, so i uh, probably you stretch the images or because you you need you know the same amount of pixels i I suppose right otherwise uh, yes. yeah, yeah, so what happens next because what I saw the you have multiple layers, and uh, my understanding what you are doing is is like you know you have the input layer and there are a couple layers in between, and there is like yeah, the result is the output layer and uh the your machine learning stuff just connects you know the dots between, thus you know the it it makes the signal flow between in the black box, and I get the result back this is a i would say ten seconds you know uh <laughs> explanation yes of what, that's, pretty,
1: that's pretty much it. yes yeah yes
0: so now like
1: um,
0: use it. yeah and um, so. Okay, so what is the first step? What you what you are doing in this example? So just the example from your video. This is important for your listeners. You know mm-hmm. the, the the Duke example. So what happens first?
1: Uh, well, first uh, there is a, like a forward pass, and you in which uh, you feed image to the input of the mm-hmm. network, mm-hmm. and then network performs calculation and uh, uh, provides uh, like a guess whether the input is uh, Duke or not Duke. But uh, let's say the first comes the training phase,
0: yeah. and during
1: this training phase, uh, you feed the network with images, yeah. and you feed w- what is the output, the uh, like information: is it a duke or is it not a duke? And when network gets prediction whether it is a duke or not duke, it calculates the error, of how much it it missed, uh, uh, like a probability estimation. So, mm-hmm. a network uh, the output gives a probability that the given image belongs to a specific category. Mm-hmm. And uh, based on the difference between uh, the, the uh, predicted probability and the actual probability, which is uh, given as is, is a part of a training set, uh, the network calculates error uh, and then uh, uses that information to adjust internal parameters in order to become closer to, to, to the correct prediction.
0: So what I will have and, to do uh, is, I, I have the 30 pictures, or let's say 20, person or Duke, just mm-hmm. for me, you know, I have person or Duke. So I would mm-hmm. uh, I would uh, read, let your machine learning software read it, and then I would just tell from mm-hmm. the beginning, Dukes or not Dukes. And uh, that the, your machine learning software, uh, uh, sorry, your model training software will uh, mm-hmm. calculate the error internally and try to adjust until threshold is met so i i think what yes. will what o- will also happen is like backtracing internally maybe you say okay I'm, I'm i'm going to wrong direction i have to to roll back something like this maybe happens internally as well right the yes. your training yes. model yes. you say okay okay uh you know the arrow gets greater and greater whatever strategy i I, th- I thought about is wrong so i could roll back this decision and do something different right this can happen yes
1: yes uh basically uh the error should always go go down exactly the, the, the core algorithm is uh, uh, finding the minimum error for the given data set and the given network. and if it is growing then uh, usually something is wrong mm-hmm. uh, whether the the architecture is not good uh, uh, maybe the data is not good or some of the training settings are not good mm-hmm. so this development tool the goal of the development tool is actually to help you to debug different uh, settings and uh, try to to understand what's going on by visualizing the uh, operation of the model.
0: Mm -hmm. How long such a training lasts? So how how long time do I need to train? Let's say 30 pictures?
1: It really depends a lot of uh, the the size of the data set and uh, uh, and the number number of images and the size of the model. And the I Duke? Mean,
0: we, Just when you're talking about the Duke, you know, the, the Duke.
1: Two uh, minutes. I mean, I mean, even Duke, less than a minute. Less than less, a minute. Less than a
0: minute. And in your example, you try to recognize the Duke or you try to recognize different Dukes? What you do, actually?
1: Uh, to, 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 to recognize the Duke. There are many different images of, of, of the Duke. So there this are is what lots I saw, of exactly. variations. Yeah, yeah. Yes? But uh, I just want to give an output, is it a duke or is it not a duke? So ju- just a
0: binary. Okay. True, false. false. True, false. So it, it learned duke and whatever looks not like a duke is not a duke. So this is what, what you yes. did. Okay. Yes. So so my example yes. would be even a little bit more complicated because I will need to know a person or a duke or something else, right? Yeah. Yeah. But, but uh, it, it won't be a problem. No, no. Uh, just thinking about this. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, okay, so, uh, and uh, you train the model. When you know that it's done, I guess uh, you have to provide a threshold, right? Say, do as long as you need for 80% correctness or 90%, right? This is what I have to do. Yes,
1: yes. Uh, Well, you have like uh, uh, two two settings uh, uh, that control how long you're going to train and it also decides on a specific problem. Uh, uh, There is like a... Error threshold: when the total error comes below that threshold, the training stops. Uh, And there is number of training iterations, number of epochs that you want to do. Sometimes, uh, if the training, uh, if the uh, error threshold uh, might not be reached, then you you don't want to train forever, obviously. So that's uh, why you say I'm going to train this for uh, 100 iterations or 1,000 iterations. And if if I don't reach error threshold, then don't continue training at all start something else or maybe if the accuracy uh, because uh, each training uh, uh, step provides a uh, detailed logging about the uh, error threshold and the accuracy and once you see the accuracy going above 90% then it is a good time to, to uh, stop okay. because you don't want to o- overfit the model you know there's a the thing with machine learning you don't want to get really high accuracy with the Training data because later uh, it might uh, lose generality and it provide uh, uh, worse results with uh, data it has not seen during the training. That is the test test set.
0: So, so, f- so for me to, to understand, if you if you do it for too long, it will recognize exactly this what what you give the model yes. and and, and it will be less variation. Okay, okay. So uh, it, mm-hmm. it won't be.
1: It won't be good
0: for recognizing if they have a little
1: bit of variations. Uh, mm. It will be bad for recognizing that. You know.
0: Yeah. Uh, okay, and and uh, all the layers are a part of the training. Do I have to specify the layers, or it happens automatically? So for the training, so I already have, right? So prepare.
1: Well, at, at the moment, at the moment, uh, you have to specify all the layers.
0: Okay. So. Uh, and the- what I have to do? So, how many layers with wood I need roughly, and what is the thinking behind? So, let's say I would like to do this. Uh, uh, I would li- like, you know, to create your example from scratch with the Dukes. So, uh, mm-hmm. do I need one layer, t- two, three, or how to start? How to think about this? Well,
1: start. Uh, uh, I mean, th- there are also different types of layers you you can use, um, and uh, each type of layer has a different. Uh, purpose in, mm-hmm. in the network. And just to go briefly on them, there is a convolutional layer, mm-hmm. which uh, basically detects features. It learns, it it can be trained to, to detect features, different uh, patterns of uh, pixels and colors, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, th- there is a pooling layer, usually max pooling layer, which is down downsizing the, the, the input image, you know. Uh, and uh, at the end, there is this so-called fully-connected layer, which are basically performing classification. Mm-hmm. So, uh, typically, uh, you need a few uh, blocks of uh, convolutional and max pooling layers, and then uh, at the end, a uh, few, uh, these, uh, up to three, um, one or up to three, uh, these fully-connected layers. So the, the, what I usually start with is I just put one convolutional and one max pooling layer and one fully connected layer, which is basically uh, approximately the same size of the output layer or even a little better, a uh, little bigger, and then see what do I get. And if we, you don't have to use the, the, the whole idea is that you don't have to use uh, the big network to, to get some usable results, you know, mm-hmm. uh, everybody's, uh, um, many people are actually going for using a uh, huge, large networks like ImageNet and, uh, uh, pre-trained models with, uh, billions of parameters. And if you need to recognize just a few hundreds of images, you know, you don't need that. And, and this is the whole point and this is the, the niche for, for, for the deep nets. Because if you have a really huge model, then you really need a lot of data to train well that model. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I think nobody is capable of gathering uh, like a, a million of images, you know, for, for training some, to, to see if something works and test. So like uh, so, the whole idea with deep nets is that you can start with small model and like a, uh, see, see what it works and then you can gradually increase the complexity. If, if you see that you're... Uh, totally missing the predictions, and of course you need a bigger model. And then, if, if you're still missing, you, uh, it doesn't work. Then you maybe need more data, and that it, it's iterative process where you're experimenting with the training and and, and the data set. So back to uh, h- how many layers you need? Uh, as I said, start with the one convolutional, one max pooling, and uh, one fully connected, which is approximately the same size of output mm-hmm. or bigger. What do you and, understand? Uh, what
0: the, do you understand under big model? Is a big model? It means it has many layers, or what is what means big? Uh, deep model.
1: Uh, let's say deep oh, yes. Deep model many layers. Okay.
0: So what I'm curious and, about is the is the max pool uh, max pool layer. What happens if I leave it out? So what it does?
1: Uh, it it uh, re- reduces the dimension of the problem. Let's put it like that. You know. Okay. If, for for example, if you have, if you have like uh, 100 times 100 pixels input image mm-hmm. you have 10,000 inputs mm-hmm. right
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, at the output you you want to get uh, uh, you uh, actually 30,000 inputs because there are th- the three channels exactly so 10,000 pixels and 30,000 inputs and the output you have just the one input which is same probability from yes to no mm-hmm. no from all those pixels so what uh, what's going on uh, through the network is uh, it is learning patterns in pixels, but also downscaling the uh, image in each layer. So if at the first uh, layer you have one t- one hundred times one hundred, after it goes through max pooling layer, it will be fifty times fifty, and if it goes again through next uh, convolutional max pooling layer, it will become twenty five times twenty five, oh. and so on. And the end, last, uh, ideally, uh, you need to have so many uh, uh, convolutional max pooling blocks. So the last uh, uh, layer of of these uh, uh, blocks uh, comes to like uh, just a one dimensional vector, you know. Okay. And when you get that, then you can feed it uh, next to 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 feed forward, uh, to feed forward the uh, uh,
0: layers. Because almost like a projection, right? So like you have. A-
1: exactly exactly each layer is performing kind of projection
0: that's uh, absolutely
1: 100% true for these fully connected layers they are projecting inputs into a space of uh, different dimensions
0: okay interesting so uh, and the convolution layer what what it does exactly so the we we the just the max pool layer is like the projector it 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 sees you know a huge two dimensional array so multi, but let's say one dimension just of red pixels it sees just the red pixels and creates you know a smaller uh less uh precise of course this is because we are losing yes. precision right we have to lose the precision to have predictions so there's like less precise like a little bit blurred right if uh, this is my understanding uh matrix
1: exactly completely rescaling, downsizing, because it it takes like a neighborhood of four images and take the image with with the maximum intensity. And that's a simple algorithm behind it. So, as a result, you get image that is uh, twice smaller in size after each uh, pooling layer. So, there's really nothing, uh, no magic there. Just uh, two times smaller images. But, uh, another thing that we haven't talked so far is the so-called channels in the in each of these layers. Mm-hmm. So uh, we but, said but that... But before you do
0: it, uh, it was actually my mistake. So I started with the middle layer, the max pool layer, but uh, mm-hmm. we didn't cover the first layer, the convolution layer, right? So the, what I understood, yes. you have always yeah, convolution, max pool, convolution, max pool. This is like a sandwich. So yes. the convolution, yes. what, uh, what what is the convolution about? Why we need it?
1: Well, we need it to to uh, uh, detect patterns in images. Mm-hmm. So, we, you know, all these uh, effects in Photoshop th- that you can see, they are using a kind of uh, images, image pre-processing, uh, image processing technique that is based on convolution, you know? Mm-hmm. So, with convolution, you have like a filter, you have like a small uh, square, Three times three or five times five pixels that you slide over the entire image, and you know you know you apply it on each position in the image, Mm -hmm. and then you can enhance edges, or you can uh, detect horizontal lines, or detect vertical lines, or detect certain uh, uh, colored uh, patterns in the pixels, and something like that. So that is performed using convolution. So. Convolution like is basic, really basic image preprocessing techniques. And by the way, there are also uh, uh, classes for convolution in, in Java. Uh, Java is Imaging MPI, which is a little bit different, but uh, essentially uh, the same. And uh, uh, the main magic of the deep learning is that. Uh, you usually when you want to apply some filter you need to know exactly which numbers you are going to use in th- this small matrix to be to apply to filter to like if you want to extract edges on you found the horizontal or vertical lines but the magic of uh, deep learning and convolutional networks is that these values for these convolutional filters are being automatically uh, uh, detected uh, during the, the training process. So, we made the discovery of the, the these uh, settings uh, as a part of the training process. Before uh, convolutional networks, people had to, like image processing experts, had to manually figure out which type of filters and with what settings they are going to use in order to pre-process images. And with the, uh, convolutional networks, that, that, that part of the job has become part of the training
0: uh, process so So using so so my understanding just i would like to repeat the convolution so what you told is like three by three pixel uh square thing which slides over the image so my understanding is you know the pixels are changing color color Uh, no not color uh the the uh, brightness because color is always the same is rgrb right we are sliding uh, 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 yeah. by by one one color and if the color ch- uh, sorry if the brightness changes of the pixels then something happens right so we get signal so if everything is the same yes. nothing happens so it's yes. just black image so there will be nothing but what happens if we have a you know black 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 and then white square what what happens then so what 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 the convolution network does with this information it creates a signal and sends to the next layer or what happens then
1: yes it creates a signal and sends it to the next layer and actually, uh, th- there is not just the one convolutional filter. In each convolutional filter, you can have a several of these feature detectors. You know, mm-hmm. So one might be detecting uh, a white pixel on the black surrounding, the other might be detecting uh, a green pixel, uh, and the third one might be detecting a green uh, and blue pixel in different com- combinations. And these channels in each convolutional layer detects uh, reacts to different patterns I- in the input you know so you you, you can detect multiple features usually we, we it starts with like a 64 64 like feature detectors for for like a bigger networks and even bigger like 128 oh. uh, in my experience you don't need that much features but again it really depends of the type of the input
0: image and the problem you're looking with. So, so the recognizers, there are just the sliders, right? So you said 64, just like, you know, these squares moving around the picture and uh, and they are reacting to various things, to brightness, to intensity yes. and whatever. Yes. And yes. Yeah, that meant yes. 60, yes. 64 different, different, how to call it, patterns, which are...
1: Feature, feature detector,
0: pattern detectors. Uh, yes. Okay. Feature is a pattern. Is feature and pattern the same?
1: Well, yes, yes. Patterns, yeah. The, the patterns, well, depends how, how you look at it, but uh, you're looking in the patterns of the, of the um, uh, pixels in images, and you, again, you can say that those are the uh, important features when you say if the image contains uh, uh, specific types of angles and ranges and uh, pattern combinations.
0: Ah, so the feature would be, I'm searching for... Uh, Hard, hard shape or hard line, right? And this yes. is the feature. Yes. And yes. this could uh, yes. involve multiple patterns because to recognize that we need, yep. you know, yes. Uh, uh, yes. color changing pattern, whatever. Okay, so got it. So yep. we need the convolution just for images, right? I would say to, to 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 recognize changes in images or no changes in any byte arrays, right? It doesn't have to be an image. It doesn't have to be image. Yes, it is.
1: They are even being used for uh, text processing, natural language processing. They can be used also for like uh, audio processing. So exactly. because th- this kind of convolution, uh, like uh, in signal processing theory, you know, e- you can uh, use it to to find a pattern uh, I- in a signal. You know, so mm-hmm. so like you are using like a template matching. You know, the, the, that's the easiest thing. You find a, te- a, a template of a pattern and then you compare it at uh, each position of, of, of the signal, well, basically, uh, that's it, and it can be applied to any kind of signal, just in this case it is uh, being applied uh, to images. And uh, uh, technical term, uh, that's, uh, it's not a real convolution in a mathematical sense, because convolution in a mathematical sense is just a composition of a function with some integral, uh, it is called cross-correlation. So, cross-correlation. but uh, basically, it is a sliding window uh, over
0: the the image. Or sliding window stuff. over image. So, recently, I did uh, you know uh, some some projects with streaming and Kafka, and we had sliding windows mm-hmm. over messages. So, actually, uh, mm, we we could actually pick some values from there, and they are actually interesting values because there was a production data. And uh, use it, and you know, use convolution network to to search for anomalies, right? We can say, you know, all the products yes. have to look yes. the same. Okay, I got it. So, uh, or temperature, yes. right? We can have an array of uh, temperature measurements. And this is very simple. I yeah. mean, what is one array? And I could just uh, read and and recognize the changes.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Okay, perfect. So uh, now I got you. So what it means is, if we adjust, uh, we have a let's say. Huge images, large images. So then we will probably mm-hmm. need more uh, the uh, convolution and max pool layers, right? To reduce the size to something smaller, right? Yes. So yes. Also? Yes. Okay. So it's image you, size and.
1: You more features, you, you need more layers, basically. That, that, that's uh, an exact, exact number. Of, it, is, it is At the moment, it is impossible to say that the way that people are throwing that is like using a, Automated this auto ML generating different architectures and trying out what works and not, mm-hmm. and uh, part of it part of it uh, is available also in the last release of uh, deep nets, but just for the feed forward networks. Still not available for convolutional, but in future releases it will be also this automated procedure of uh, ex- experimenting and uh, tweaking the the models.
0: Super interesting. So it means for the Dukes, we need uh, convolution, max pool, convolution, and then uh, let's say what I will see visually because what you have is a kind of if, like a flow diagram looks like in your uh, you have like you know yes. the boxes and the line. So uh, you will probably see how how to call it how how much the the model or model the input is already reduced. So we can stop with the layers, right? This I will recognize in your yes. d- chart in diagram. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. So and at the end we need a different layer. You said, uh,
1: yes. Uh, well, at the end you have we have output layer. The output layer provides like a predictions. But in between the usually the last max pooling layer, mm-hmm. the last box convolutional max pooling layer, there are a few fully connected layers which like uh, perform classification. So they they uh, transform these uh, inputs uh, and and uh, combinations of uh, features from pixels, extracted from pixels, and try to to or like uh, map them to to, to, to right probability. So basically these fully connected layers are trying to divide that input space and say, okay, these images with this, belongs to this category, with, and images
0: with these pixels belong to uh, the other category.
1: So and, and, are, and this is it, uh, which
0: layer is it again this is the uh, fully it connected is called, or it is called the fully connected layer fully connected layer uh-huh and uh, why fully Got connected it. because it, it just uh, re- reads everything and, and writes there is no there is no projection right or why it's fully connected
1: uh, it does it, it, it does perform a projection however it, it, is, it is it is using a different pattern of connectivity the fully connected layers. Each input of fully connected layer is connected to all outputs uh, from, from in a previous layer. Okay. So that, that's how. While uh, with the uh, convolutional layers, you don't connect all uh, all inputs to all outputs from previous layer. You only connect to a specific region of five times five so three times three, three pixels, and that's how you with convolutional layers actually. Uh, save a uh, lots of connections and lots of computational uh, power, you know. So, mm-hmm. that's the difference. So, con- convolutional layers use, use like a, a sparse connectivity, while fully connected e- e layers are using uh, like a dense, fully connected uh, connectivity pattern.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, got you. So, we have the fully connected layer, and they are uh, already classifying. and uh, yes. and, the, and the last layer is
1: uh the, the output layer the output layer uh gives uh, it's using a mathematical function called softmax and it it gives probabilities you know mm-hmm. uh well actually it, it depends uh if you are you using a, a binary classification like in duke's example uh then it is using a, a sigmoid function and uh it gives like a probability for a single class Mm-hmm. And if you have multiple classes, then it is using like a softmax function, which kind of gives a normalized probability for uh, several classes. Okay. So basically, it is same as fully connected layer, just by using a different function, it performs different different uh, role in the
0: network. Okay. So, um, and the model, what I get, is this a jar, the model, then? If it's fully trained, what I get out?
1: Uh, uh, yes, you can. You can pack it as a jar. Basically, when you're you you working in Java code, you get a serialized uh, DNET file. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in this uh, environment, you can just right-click this uh, DNET file
0: and pack it uh, as a jar. Ah, uh, is this Java serialized DNET file? Yes, yes. Then uh, just by uh, no, not accident, I and now. I know the guys from uh, JCon conference, nice guys, and they have an open source uh, free serializer called MicroStream. And mm-hmm. the interesting part is you can serialize uh, Java graphs without even having, you know, the serializable interface. This is crazy fast and is not Java specific. So the serialized model mm-hmm. is longer compatible. So uh, I, yeah. I I played with that. It's interesting if you like. You can look at this because uh, it is. But we get another dependency. It is the problem. But <laughs> but uh, interesting serialization. Yeah. Yeah. If um, yeah, think
1: some uh, features that uh, and maybe solves problems for someone, why not? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And just just this was because uh, I I thought about microstream and now you came with serialization. This was just yeah thought. Okay. So mm-hmm. I get this uh, okay. I get the serialized Java objects. The, the serialized Java model. How to use that yeah
1: well you you can just deserialize it and uh, uh you you get the instance of the train network in your application and then you feed input to your to that neural network and you get uh, the prediction
0: yeah, but what For I would example. like to have is a uh, exactly the, as, as nice API as deep nets, so I would like to have you know uh s- um, give is the image a duke a method, and I pass you know a byte array of the image. And I would like to have you know, the, the and a float or double back with the probability whether it is a duke or not. This is what I would like to have, how to implement that. So we need a single method, right?
1: Yes, the, 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 that's exactly what VisRack API is. That's this JSR381. Okay. It, it, it gives you exactly that. And okay. it, it can work with different machine learning models and libraries and with different types of images. And you're implementing and
0: the, this, the, this, this JSR?
1: uh yes it is big I think even on this tutorial there is uh yeah uh, the, uh below this uh, uh video there is example of uh, like you have a few few lines of code that shows you ha- ha- how to how to use it you so know? what I'm searching so for a con-
0: convenient way to get either a Maven module this is what I will need because I guess we will have to retrain the model often right so we need a process like a pipeline. Machine learning pipeline right so yes yeah yes, big, yes, so so what I'm, what, I'm, what I'm looking for right now is uh, in my enterprise Duke recognition project is to you know to train the model, then get a jar, then embed the jar in my service, and use it so this is what we have to do so what are the exact steps with deep nets to achieve that
1: well uh, I mean uh, you, when you generate jar you can import it into maven right
0: yeah and but you, but you can generate a jar. You can generate a jar, right? Yeah. Okay. Yes,
1: yes. Yeah, I can always generate a jar and uh, you can put whatever you want information in its manifest file or you need a, uh, when you're importing into Maven, like a yeah, binary, d- d- you No, know? this
0: This is not a problem. What, I'm, what, I'm, what I probably will do is I will embed the entire thing in a, in a Maven project anyway and then, uh, and then uh, your model will generate a serialized object graph and then I will read the mm-hmm. object graph with a Maven plugin into the jar and load it and wrap it, right? This is what what needs to happen. Yeah. Right? Yes. Okay.
1: Yes, yes. That's how, how it can work. I mean, one thing that's really nice is that usually one of the challenges is to like, like lots of like exper- experiment management and what what worked the best and how do you log all this information and know what you have been using for training the model and uh, for building some models so after a few months uh, when you realize you need to do it again you have all the information and as you mentioned it uh, all this information is already contained within configuration file you know so maybe all this information for building model can be I- included in manifest file You know, so when you uh, come back and need to rebuild the model then you can just uh, start from that from that uh, uh, configuration and use use the same data or uh, add more data with new examples that you figure out during the production. You know.
0: Okay. So that's so, uh, so why I'm asking because uh, we did some machine learning and uh, in one project was with Kafka. So uh, the uh, the training happened uh, in in a service and then the ready to use model. Was just a message in Kafka, you know. So we listened to the message, this, and then we read the model, oh. and, and this was an update. And um, and I thought oh. that, you know, I, with you, with deep is even 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 in, more interesting. And now I'm working a lot uh, in in clouds in Asia and AWS mainly. And mm-hmm. um, this would mm-hmm. be not Kafka, maybe Kinesis. So we would have uh, a machine learning service, which just you know I, I can send images, it just uh, learns. So it runs and the entire time, let's say uh, on um, Azure was Azure App Service or on AWS would be Fargate. So they 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 they, they run entire time and and I, I can just you know feed the images and then I'm done. So I would send a REST request. Now you 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 are okay. Go for it. And this and now something has to be happened, right? So um, uh, in your case, I would say it's fine because then I only will need the serialized model. The CI's yes. model is just a message. I will send the message out to Kinesis. This will trigger yeah. a CI/CD pipeline, and the CI/CD pipeline with the, all the magic with jars, Maven, and 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 even this would be the best thing. It will check in the ready-to-use model to Nexus, and yes, then I yes, have the yes. and then I have the new version. <laughs> and as a developer, I'm just you know referring to the jar, embedding into my microprofile corpus application, I'm ready to go. So this is what I thought about uh, the entire time, how to automate that. But uh, because it's Java, it's even easier in my world, you know?
1: Yes, so. yes, 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 definitely. I mean, this is like uh, maintaining the model is really w- one of the challenges and keeping all the old information in history. But uh, that's the whole point. If we use the existing Java infrastructure and tools, it really solves uh, it uh, re- u- reuses solutions for the that are already out there, and all the Java developers uh, knows how to use. Them. There is existing infrastructure, so it makes a lot of things easier, and that's why one of the reasons why uh, machine learning and deep learning for Java.
0: Yeah, uh, because you know the main feature is also Maven, so we get you know the consistent versioning yeah. and repeatable builds. So um, okay, nice. So um, how fast is the model? So let's see. Uh, just thinking about the Duke. Let's say uh, I would like to recognize. Uh, I have a camera running, and I would like to recognize mm-hmm. whether uh, you know uh, uh, someone in front of, of of my of my house is, for instance, uh, a UPS man, someone from the family, or a dog. Um, is it mm-hmm. fast enough to do that, or?
1: Uh, yes, but uh, it cannot recognize the, the, the directly video. You know, you just extract a specific yeah. image. You yeah. just take a photo yeah. snapshot. Yes, of course, it is fast enough to do that. It cannot. It is not fast enough to do real time video. But uh, the things like that to recognize someone, it, it, it is.
0: It, it doesn't have to fun. do right. The camera could uh, pick, uh, take you know, one second uh, snapshots of pictures, and and this. Yes, f- yes, it doesn't have yes. to be a video. Yes. So this would be an even cheaper camera. This yes. this could work, yes. and. Um, yeah. And this could run on Raspberry Pi or something, not a problem, right? Uh
1: no, you know, yeah, it, it could it could run. But it depends also on the size of the yeah, image. Sh- yeah, sure. But sure, sure, sure.
0: If I have a fit with an eight K image, it may, it may be problematic of Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Another be, question, exactly. Um GPU, does it help you or not?
1: At, at the moment we don't have GPU. We mm-hmm. just and well, that's one of the things. We just uh, Using plain Java threading, you know, yep. so multi-threading in Java, and uh, it uh, frees you from the dependency of, uh, you know, GPU yeah, and sure. uh, these uh, native, native, native libraries. Uh, it uh, but the, the, the interesting thing is that it, it, it is very optimized implement, implementation, so it it that provides like a comparable performance for inference, and uh, in a recent use case uh, on Android with. Uh, blog published on FU, Fuj uh, by Gertrude. Uh It is uh, uh, showing that uh, it has really like a, only uh, a little bit slower than the solutions that are using uh, GPUs. But so
0: you are also you, still use... you are investigating GPUs or you say no?
1: Yes, yes, yes. Uh, uh, we are investigating GPUs. and I think we definitely go with the, uh, compatibility with TensorFlow. And probably uh, supporting uh, NVIDIA GPUs like QDNN. So the, the, there are many different things uh, when it comes to GPUs. But it, it is uh, really uh, the next era area of innovation. You know, lots of so deep learning accelerators and chips are being available, mm-hmm. and uh, it is an important decision to us to see which gpus and which specific features to to, to, to support huh? and it will probably it depends a lot of the use case and these initial customers
0: and have you the chance to test you know the apple m1 chip the performance
1: no no <laughs> th- th- this would be interesting uh-huh.
0: because it has unified yes. memory and uh this could be uh interesting you know uh benchmark for your for your uh yes
1: Yes. Yeah, when you're going with the specialized chips, you really need to use their very specific drivers and so on. But but, I mean, with Project Panama, when it becomes ready, the the things would become uh, much easier, you know.
0: And and uh, Project Loom could be a benefit for you.
1: I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think only Panama would be relevant. Uh, If you want to really use GPU, then you would probably go with with
0: not, yeah, not GPU, but but, but lots of threads. You know, this is what I thought. If you need lots of threads, then maybe you know Project Loom would be interesting for you. No?
1: Yes, it can be make it faster. But you uh, know, if you if you want to do it in a way that it is being done, you know, TensorFlow and other deep frameworks, you just put everything on the GPU. It does the job, and you yeah. get the results back. So you and all the threading, everything is going on, on the GPUs.
0: So now, uh, this deep nets is also commercial. So what, what what I get for free and what I have to pay for and what I get for, for this. So how this works?
1: Well, uh, we do have like a flexible licensing model and uh, we give for free for development so to build the pilot projects, so prototypes. And uh, when you want to to put it to production depending on, depending on the volume, number of applications of users and so on, then we come to someone like a a reasonable pricing for a specific use case so that's something that is still uh, very flexible but you can see if it works for you and if it works for you and if it's making you money okay then we can uh, see see how it can work uh, That
0: partnership for both of us and do you have thought and about if you let's say uh, an, an open source developer who just tries to you know to recognize dogs or lego creatures or something like this it, can it be also used or is it i mean
1: yes of course of course it is free for personal
0: use ah free, free for personal use and in commercial use so it is so you get money for it so if i'm using this in commercial space then i this is just no, normal yes. i will i would yes. have to contact you and
1: you just with it you can play how much as you like yeah. but if you're making out meat, you meet you it's a
0: fair to give us uh, a bit of it. <laughs> okay, uh, very good. So if you are you know the next next interview with you, and uh, I will see, you know that you're the third richest man after you know Elon Musk. So I know it it worked out for you. Or or you and in the next conference, the Deep Nets conference, you will yes. announce your personal Hopefully. Hopefully. personal robot. You know, like Elon Musk. Yeah, so this is robot. yeah this is my personal robot, and it works uh-huh. completely with Deep Nets. And uh, I the, started. Yeah
1: it's uh the, that doing things for us and interviews and
0: stuff <laughs> well perfect so oh, uh, i yeah it it was great so i uh it was fun for me and uh, a nice project so where people can find you know deep nets or you and how can you give money in all the commercial projects so how how so how it works so first the homepage is deepnets.com deep is uh, two e's and two t's and dot com deep nets i will put it in yes. show notes now um and how, how they can reach you if they would like consulting or, you know, licensing whatever?
1: Yeah, it's, you can use Twitter and, uh, yeah, there is a download. When they download, uh, just follow the instructions on the website. They can download and get, get, like, initial evaluation license, free free license, and then, yeah, from that point, they can either email me or using contact form on Twitter anyway or on LinkedIn anyway they they, they, they are used to and feel comfortable. Uh, I'm there. Where there are teams, there.
0: Yeah, thank you. So it's uh, it was really interesting discussion, and see you next time.
1: Thank you very much for the opportunity. I'm looking forward. And, and let me know how does your example uh, with the Duke recognition works. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah, okay. laughs>